All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, welcome to the show, Jordan Scott from Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Jordan? Great to be here, Rich. Thanks. So, Jordan, I I was looking at your website, the the foul ball, foul, stop foul ball netting or foul ball safety now to add uh, netting to most baseball parks, both my, not just the major league parks, but also the minor league parks, which as your website still uh, adamantly points out, they're, they're not even looked at most times, I don't think. And a lot of them just do have that net behind uh, for home plate like we used to have at the old Shea Stadium in New York. Yeah, you know, Rich, thanks for the opportunity. You know, I've been on this matter for about two years and just doing my own studying and interviewing people, victims of foul balls and just learning so much. And once your listeners and the wider listener audiences find out about this, I believe what I hope to achieve is the folks that have been going to games all these years, minor league games, major league games, they'll kind of get their sort of retroactive epiphany of outrage, epiphany of outrage. So, for example, if you realize that you had gone to the game with your growing family twice a year, you know, for 10 years while they were growing up and, you know, maybe that would be a total of 20 visits to minor and major league ballparks, you may come to the conclusion that every single time you had attended those games, although you weren't thinking about foul balls uh, associated with danger and death, once you realize that you could have been part of a weekly or a biweekly statistic, you may be starting to scratch your head and say, wait a second, should we have been there all this time? And could have we been part of that group or that part of that ugly statistic. And I think families will come to the conclusion, at least some I hope will, realizing that all those good times were really under false pretenses. Right. And I, I mean, I know growing up, I remember the, the picture of Jim Rice running down the, the, I think it was third base line or first base line, I'm sorry, with the child that got hit by his foul ball. And just running, holding that child to bring her to medical care faster than anyone could have got her in the stands. And, and that's a highlight of where that net would have been if it is today, vice when it was back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what what has been happening in the last few years, there's been some piecemeal nets placed here and there. But. You know, before like 2015, 2016, things were exactly the same for like ever. You would have the nets directly behind home plate, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, you know, that kind of thing. But I have found out, Rich, through my research, you know, going back to 1970, you know, when Alan Fish, a 14-year-old boy, had died at the Dodger game. Um, he was with his friends, got hit with a ball in the head and died a few days later. I realized that baseball knew all of this, that this was foreseeable and predictable. And they did nothing to heighten our awareness to the fact that you may not want to bring your kid to the game. All they had was a microprint on the back of the ticket that covered their behind 
just in case somebody did get hurt. But they did know that people would get hurt. It wasn't a matter if something would get crushed. It was when. And I've been doing statistics and compiling data of how many children have been injured at major and minor league games. I've been interviewing people, uh, a handful of people, victims have been interviewed for my book, including Erwin Goldblum, whose wife, unfortunately, was killed at the Dodger game in 2018. So happens the last two deaths in the last 50 years were at the Dodger games, but countless concussions, countless broken faces, countless, you know, head injuries. And, you know, I know people who have lost eyes and things like that. They've talked to me for the book. So, yeah, love to get into it with you. I was actually at Dodger Stadium in 2018. I, mm-hmm. there. I think they were playing St. Louis when we went. I was out there for my old job. And uh, right. that was uh, our, like, uh, respite from work during the day. They brought us to the game at night. Right. It was very, it, it's an interesting stadium, uh, the way it's built, the way it's set up. Yep. And I, I think we were – we were right behind home plate, so we were safe because it was, you know, netting right there. But I, I do remember not having much after home plate there, and even in 2018. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll certainly get into what I can tell you about the 150 ballparks. But just to go back to Dodger Stadium, Mrs. Goldblum, who got killed at Dodger Stadium in 2018, she was actually up in the loge level, which was behind home plate. So it's not always just down the lines. So the Dodgers did something. It took them a year. Something might have happened a day or a week or a month or three months later. But at least they got it done. From the time she got killed about a year after, almost a year uh, or a few days after one year, they elevated the net higher. So hopefully 93 mile an hour balls will not be hitting people like they did Mrs. like it did Mrs. Goldblum. Um, you know, my research is is very thorough. It's not like I've been spending on each project. Uh, like when I would find out where the nets are at the ballparks, I would find out, you know, there was a major incident that happened in um, May or June of 2019. The little girl who got hit in Houston and that was a lot of publicity on that one. Almora from the Cubs at the time hit the ball yeah. and, and, and unfortunately crushed the little girl. Unfortunately, fortunately, she's alive and, you know, hopefully she's mending well. But at the time. Sorry, got a little interference there. You still with me? I got you. Yeah. So. It happened with Almora. Um, we got a lot of media attention, and that sort of got me into this campaign. I was aware that there was risky proposition for people, mostly non-suspecting fans, because I knew balls were flying into the seats at 100 miles per hour. I believe most fans are going to the games thinking foul balls in good times and not thinking foul balls flirting with danger and death. But What I had found out, doing just simple phone calls, this isn't like six months of calls or investigation. Four or five months ago, I called all the minor league ballparks 
that I could reach in America that are associated with Major League Baseball. There's right now 120 remaining minor league ballparks uh, that are minor league teams that are affiliates of the major leagues where the major league uh, clubs are paying the salaries of those minor league affiliates. So I found out when I connected to nearly 100 out of the 120 that at least 42 still had no netting <clears throat> past the dugout. <clears throat> and where did, where did that little girl get seriously injured? Past the end of the dugout. And that's in the minor leagues. And in Peoria, Illinois, they were even playing with no nets above the dugout. And I was, you know, I actually rented out an airplane and it towed a banner. You, your listeners can go to Val. And you can see a video that Tara, who helps me produce these videos, we've created a video and it showed the plane flying over, making a statement like, how could they even open up their doors? Um, And I also had a video produced with Tara that showed before there were nets above the dugouts in like 2014 in Tampa Bay. Um, it showed a ball leaving the bag, going in slow motion, and it goes in between the two guys. And if that had connected with one of those guys, that would have been bad. And that would have been the end of baseball. So unfortunately, it's like a reactionary thing. Baseball's been getting away with this forever. And I say this because they know it's not a matter of if, but when. Not things get crushed and the general public still in 2021 is not sort of they're not they're not their awareness is not heightened enough and I'll get into that with you uh, after you started this I was about two years ago yep. do you still go to games just to go watch them or are you more on the lines of trying to get the safety message out sure um I started the message. I hadn't been to any games this year, you know, and last year the season was shut down or at least there was no fans for the most part. Um, So I haven't been to a game. Would I go to a game in normal circumstances? Yeah, I would, but I kind of aware where to go, where to sit. If I'm I'm going with people, I would take the right caution. When I was calling the box offices in all these minor league cities, when I was asking where their nets were, they were giving me the information, but they were like, oh, you're the first guy ever calling to ask me that. So it's telling me that the general public is still not demanding it because if I'm the only one inquiring where the nets are, that means families of four are not asking the box offices at these minor league cities where the nets are. And I have two reports, a major league report and a minor league report, all at foulballsafetynow.com. And it shows that I, it shows major league baseball, it shows 30 seating charts, but only three of them have any indication on where the nets are. So if the general public was demanding or saying, you know, part of shopping for a ticket is knowing where the right places are to sit with children, then you would think that the 30 websites with the seating charts would have nets, but only three of them do. And this is, like I said, me making phone calls, me exploring where the seats are, where they're not. But the end of the day, Rich, it really comes down to 
you know, regulatory agencies, people may say, oh, the government needs to stay out of everyone's business. But you know what? The regulatory agencies came in in the 1970s and they said, you know, families, I'm sorry, but you can't let your kids roll around the backseat anymore. They have to be seatbelted in the backseat. Similar to this after 1970, when Alan Fish unfortunately got killed, regulatory agencies should have come in and said, listen, baseball, we need to tell you something. We're going to have our own independent netting council of architects and engineers, not your architects and engineers, but ours. And we're going to go to every one of those 30 major league ballparks and those 120 minor league ballparks. And we're going to tell you how high, how far, how wide those nets need to be. So then we can hang a sign in every one of these 150 ballparks that this ballpark is maiming free. And in 2021, we're very far off from that. And the state of the union in baseball, according to me, which I still remain the undisputed narrative because nobody wants to come into the room and talk with us, Rich, because they know that I'm presenting reasonable arguments. If they, if they get into the room, they'll probably have to admit to things that they don't want to admit in person or in public, for that mm-hmm. matter. Because yeah. they're, they're worried about the bottom line, not the the line of safety. They're worried about the bottom line of the dollar in their pockets. Well, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, there's a lot there. And I am, a, and, and before there's ever any integrity in baseball, the people that I know and the people that I've interviewed, um, you know, people, a man by the name of Rick, who lost his eye, talked to him two months ago for the book. Guys like him, they're not going to the game anymore. They're not putting on the game anymore. Possibly they don't even want their children later on when they do have them playing baseball anymore. I did have a woman who I talked to at Shea Stadium, lost her eye in 1979. Since you're a New York guy, you may remember Steve Henderson. Yes. Steve Henderson hit a line drive and, and, and the little girl was 14 at the time. Her name is Jenny. She interviewed for the book and Jenny, unfortunately, lost her eye as a teenager. She was in the hospital and uh, she writes, she talks in the book about how Joel Youngblood comes to the hospital and she's like, well, where's Steve Henderson? And they sent him instead. He was she was quoted as like he was the pretty boy of the club. So they sent him. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And she was relieved when she was a mom years later that her child never ended up playing baseball. So all of these people that I know that are bitter, that didn't get their bills paid for because baseball knows they're protected with this little microprint which has been disrespectful to the fans for a hundred years because families weren't making informed decisions when they were going to the game. That microprint was never up on the scoreboard for us to read. It was on the back of the ticket. So families never studied it. These people need an apology. They need to be welcomed back to the game. I rented out another airplane over uh, the Field of Dreams game about a month ago, if everyone was watching that Field of Dreams, Iowa scenario. And they're staging their fantasy games over there. Well, they're also staging it again next year. And my goal is to have how many people, certainly a handful of people that I know, be welcomed back because 
these people are, you need to hear their impact statements and baseball fans need to hear their impact statements, how they were justifiably bitter, how they didn't want to watch games anymore and how they didn't even want their kids playing baseball years later. These people are forgotten about, they're disrespected, baseball doesn't treat them with any respect. They can't apologize to them because it's an admission of guilt if they do. Or they, or the families that have been uh, affected by this won't accept baseball's acknowledgement or apology unless they know it's sincere because they don't want it to happen to the next person. So it's phony baloney unless they plan fixing the issue. And baseball's been kicking the can down the road for years. It's not only that they have mud on their face, once this conversation is known, they have crusted mud on their face, and they don't want that to ever come about. That's right. They don't want the, the darkness to come over them, the cloud of darkness to come over their whole their whole life at that point. Because most of them have been handed this silver ticket of the franchise from, from grandpa down to dad, back to down to them. And this keeps going on and on with that flow of money through them. And if they have that black eye, they'll probably have to leave the business. Well, I already said two weeks into this, everyone goes to foulballsafetynow.com when I started publishing these articles on my own on these self-publishing websites. I wrote that MLB owners should be forced to sell the team if they don't take care of this problem today. And that means no more business till you bring in, if it's above your pay grade and and your netting council can't get it done, you call in the the independent netting council. They'll come in. They'll do a good job. They'll they know how where the balls go and how fast. And they'll say the kids can sit here. They can't sit here. Or you know what? How about having a first time discussion whether it's cool if the balls come up and down? I'm all good. If balls can go up and down, and you know three heavyweights can get in front of a ten year old, you know, hey, let the debate begin. That's cool. But no more 100 mile an hour balls slamming little kids and i have documentation of of how many statistics which i'll get into with you but just to let you know it's not just it's the broadcasters it's the writers these are journalists mind you journalists in new york as we know there's probably 25 full-time journalists baseball journalists with all the various newspapers and they know the frequency You see, in my minor league and major league reports, what I did was I stacked quotes from major league baseball players, which exposes the double standards. So the people who go to foulballsafetynow.com can see. So I got as many quotes as I can from guys like Lindor and Verlander that say things like, oh, there's no way I let my own family sit behind, uh, uh, not behind the nets. They always sit behind the nets. So they're aware, they know, minor leaguers who've interviewed me interviewed me for the book. There's 5,000 minor leaguers who are going for seven, 800 major league jobs. Most of them will not make it. But you know what? Four of them have had the courage to talk to me. One thing they do tell me is their parents are safe when they come watch them. But are they getting on the public address and heightening the awareness to everyone else? No. Do I blame them for it? Not really. They're in the middle of their dream. They're trying to be major leaguers. 
How about Tony Clark and the union? Now these guys are making millions of dollars. Tony Clark, who's the union guy, who's probably who was probably a minor leaguer for four or five years when he was a young guy 25 years ago. Why aren't they finally making it right for the 5,000 souls that have to bear the burden knowing that they can maim somebody? They know this. Can't be a good feeling for a 20-something-year-old knowing that they're in a community that maims. Whether it, it probably won't be that one individual, but collectively they know they're in the group. And they know there could be a handful of lost eyes or a handful of broken skulls during their career. And they know that it could be, and it's one of them. You know, and with Al Mora, just to get back to that 2019 incident, who I'm sure felt horrible about it, but they should all feel horrible about it. And if the team psychologist is not in his ear that night and saying, dude, this is not just you, this is all of us. And we're in a situation here that ain't right. And you, and you have two options. You can quit the game, and I wouldn't blame you, because who the hell wants to be in a situation where, where you main people? Or you band with your brothers and finally say enough is enough. But if it was left on his head alone, that ain't right either. So, you know, but I don't think the team psychologists do that, because, you know, that's a whole nother story in itself <laughs> and you know you know uh you know then you got the journalists and you got the broadcasters we watch games on tv you never heard the broadcasters you know saying oh if that guy gets hurt he's not even covered for his medical or you know survey some of these will expose the double standard because we know what the baseball players say we get their quotes usually in the aftermath how about surveying some of these broadcasters and journalists so Everyone doesn't want to bite the hand that feeds them rich. And a lot of the, those those guys playing or hungry coming up in the minor leagues until something happens in front of them or until something happens to someone they know or care about, much like anything else in life, if it's not in your wheelhouse, you're not going to worry about it until it happens to you. Man, yeah. even, even with what's going on in the world right now, many people believe COVID was not even a thing because it wasn't happening in their house. And then yeah. all of a sudden it spreads their house. Oh, and now it's a problem. You have yeah. to think about the holistic thing the whole time. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to keep being background noise and no one's going to listen unless everyone listens. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody has stepped forward. There has not been one heroic gesture that I know of. You know, I, we would know if a minor leaguer put down the bat and says, you know what, I can't be part of this anymore and walked off into center field. That would be more ambitious than uh, what Kevin Costner did a month and a half ago at the Field of Dreams game. I'm kind of making a joke, but it's sad. I would love to see a minor leaguer maybe say, you know what, I'm out of here. And then everyone would be like, where is he going? And then after the game, he could tell the world this is why he decided not to be part of this. Because he knew that it was a matter of the next pitch or the next day or the next week that some other child would be seriously injured. And he didn't want to be part of it. And then I'd be like, you know what, man? You're the first guy to do that. Great job. Right. You, 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 made, you brought, you shine the light on it. So what we're doing is we're attempting to shine a light on it. We're having a discussion. You know, I'm going to give you the statistics, and it ain't pretty, you know, how many kids have been injured over the last X amount of years. You see, the, you know, in Major League Baseball, there's 53,000 foul balls a year. And some foul ball guy website said, 
only 20,000 of them reach the seats, only 20,000. So that would be about 60,000 on the minor leagues because it's about three times as many more games. So we're talking about whatever. And this is conservative numbers. 80,000 balls are reaching seats um, per year. Uh, yeah, hello, 80,000. And how many of them are going over 100 miles per hour? I mean, these are like, you know, if there was one of these that almost hit both of us while we were walking down the street like a brick loose because they were waiting for the cement and the reinforcement, there would be nobody allowed to walk down the street till the problem was fixed. Here, it's like, you know, balls ricocheting, pinball machines, and families. It doesn't make any sense. People, in for, unfortunately, you know, there's a, there was an ESPN piece, which is also at foulballsafetynow.com five-minute video, which I thought was very, very good. Um, it was in line with what I'm trying to do at Foul Ball Safety Now. It had a lot of engagement, 750,000 views, 4,300 comments. 80% of those comments were negative. They're still blaming the fan. Pay attention. Stop looking at your phone. We're already in a situation we have no reason to be there to begin with. Sure, Looking at your phone is worse, but we have we cannot get out of the way staring without blinking. We cannot get out of the way. So all that stuff is it's really not going to move the needle, uh, you know, to to enhance your safety at the game, you know, by putting your phone away. You shouldn't be there to begin with. You can't get out of the way of a hundred mile an hour ricochet ball. You can't. And, and, and you have no reason to be near your kids, whether you're staring without blinking for three hours or whether you're whether you're looking at your phone and you, you can't save yourself. You know, so no more Garcia Para, who's a familiar baseball player. He, yes. he used to go over to the lines and talk dad to switch seats with child because and he was obsessive about it, whether he went over the line because he was in his own world and he felt like he needed to say something to everyone he would go to people and say dad would you switch seat your child i'd rather you be six inches closer to the game than to the ball you know coming at you than your child and these players have been sharing this with us where are the journalists and the broadcasters i'll take a pause for a chum this going on <laughs> well i don't know it's a journalist that I mean, the broadcasters are paid to report the game. The, the game and game, that's it. If something happens in the game, even if there's an injury to a player, they don't really go deep into it ever since the Joe Theismann incident in football. Mm-hmm. They try to shy away from anything that is causes uh, stomachs to turn or things like that. So I can see the same thing for them. Right. If it happens to someone in the stands, they kind of pan the cameras away so no one sees it. Right. And that means the broadcaster is out of the equation at that point. Now, the journalists who are in the the boots next to them that are actually watching everything in the stadium, that's another question because what Mm -hmm. is their boss telling them to say at that time? It comes down to what their boss is telling them at that time, just like everything else, just like what we talked about before. If someone is told you can only report that the sky is blue today, that's all they can report. They can't go against that grain. And and it kind of handcuffs them as, I guess, an actual journalist because I don't think we have any of those anymore. There's no actual independent journalist that goes out there and tells you actually what is happening. Well, we're attempting to now. So there you go. And in, right. regard, in, in, in regards to these guys who are paid or work for newspapers, they're probably getting heat from their editors who 
get heat from their publishers to not to rock the boat because the publishers of these papers need to sell their newspapers. They want access to the locker rooms. So they discourage the editors and the writers to write about this issue. I think there's something to it. Um, that's it. You know, MLB, I mean, you know, sports pages there, they sell newspapers and, uh, you don't want to piss off the owners of the teams. And unfortunately, the I think they've compromised their journalistic integrity all these years. And I said, when I started writing, no Hall of Fame for baseball writers. I said, an owner should be forced to sell the team. I said this when I first started writing, you know, two years ago. And I stand by it now. Don't celebrate yourselves. There's no higher honor when you work in an industry that, that hasn't addressed this. Where there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that are alienated from the game because they were maimed and, and you guys don't even want to acknowledge them. And you don't because you know that it's an admission of guilt and then you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to say, you know what, this, this can't happen. But they continue on, um, you know, from I have at least 43 kids that had mostly head injuries from 2008 to the present time. Uh, and most of them were accounted for the major leagues, but I believe there were probably three times as many more in the minor leagues. The reason why I say that is because the accounting is less less accurate in the minor leagues. There's less media there. So maybe more than 100 children with head injuries from 2008 throughout professional or at least minor league and major league baseball. I'm not even talking independent leagues or college leagues. I'm talking about under MLB domain. And then we have, there was an NBC study that also, uh, did some decent journalism, which implied 4,500 injuries that reported to first aid between the years of 2012 and 2019. Um, and I, I wrote 5,000. The LA Times guy wrote 4,500. Fine. We took the equation one way or another, but close. Um, this, this, that was a non-baseball journalist, probably, because most of the people... Um, that write about this when we do sometimes see journalists write about it are non-baseball journalists. So 4,500 injuries, and this is only the major leagues. What are we talking about? 13,500 in the minor leagues. Now they could have just been scratches and broken nails and possibly broken fingers, but were there a hundred serious injuries out of 13,500? I believe so. Were there 800 serious, serious injuries out of 13,500? I don't know, but enough. And that's why foul ball safety now is important because people were reporting to first aid. Check out the NBC report um, uh, that was done, foul balls, also 2019. I was interviewed for that segment. They did not put me in there, but that was when I was first beginning. Um, I hired a publicist, Rich. I, if you go to foulballsafetynow.com, there is an article of me in People Magazine, or at least what I'm trying to do, LA Times, LA Daily News, Boston Globe, a few other places that you'd be like, oh, this is pretty cool. But they're not investigative pieces. It touches on it. It says what I'm doing. There's a few quotes from people. It's not that investigative journalist that's on board as of yet. So that's why what I'm doing, somebody told me recently, because I've been on podcasts and I'm, I'm trying to possibly start my own, um, that 
they told me I'm the investigative reporter. And I was like, okay, then I am good. Well, you know, then, but I'm certainly, if somebody comes along and says to me, Hey man, you know, people are going to know this issue left and right. I'm this writer. And when I write an article, you know, I got a million people to read it and a lot of people to comment on it. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, then, but that hasn't happened as of yet. So yeah, we're, we're on the, we're on the march. Um, Listeners can certainly go to the website at foulballsafetynow.com. There's two petitions for sure. Uh, One to repeal the baseball rule and one to add more nets. They sort of go hand in hand together, but there are two separate petitions. And if there's anyone who has expendable dollars and wants to make a statement with me, because I certainly it's not cheap to rent out two airplanes. I'm ready to rent out another one and tow a banner and make more statements. So, you know, happy to hear your ideas. And if anyone was hurt by foul ball or has a story they want to share or know somebody who was hurt or had a bad experience and they just want to talk on or off the record, they can also find me. I've been working with a professional writer and we're really getting amazing interviews for the book, Rich. Awesome, Jordan. Uh Coming from a guy like myself who always thought he'd sit in the right seats to catch a foul ball, and somehow a foul ball never came near me, no matter where <laughs> I sat in a ballpark anywhere in the world. Even in, even when I went to games in Korea, they have great uh-huh. games in Korea, and that ball never came close to me. So right. if, if you don't want to get hit by a foul ball, just sit wherever I am because that's where the ball is not going to come. <laughs> I can almost guarantee it. Uh, I mean, it's not foolproof, but it hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, Jordan, I. I love the mission you're on uh, for safety, for everyone's safety, and, and so they can still enjoy the game. It's a, it's America's pastime. It's now the world's a, a, a game around the world. Everyone plays baseball, and I think everyone will get something from this, uh, from your website and from your book when it comes out, as to guide them in the right direction when they do go to a game, where to sit, and, and what to look for when they do go to stadiums. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Jordan. Any last words you want to say? No, thank you. You said it, said it well. Um, I thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, anytime uh, this conversation can happen again, uh, you know, I'm going to be at it during, during this uh, remainder of the season and uh, through the off season. And this is really important. And thank you so much and appreciate You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are the Fit Nation.